Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today is another AMA episode. That is, Ask Me Anything. I love to answer your questions, and if you have a question you think is going to be a broad interest, send it in. I'll answer it live on the air. Send your questions to victor at victorjm.com. That's victor at victorjm.com. Today's question comes from Rich in Ottawa, Canada. And Rich asks, with materials costing more and labor being harder to get, wouldn't it make sense that higher-end, newer homes, property values will go up over the next 12 to 18 months? Doesn't less supply equal higher demand? Well, Rich, this is a great question. Supply and demand are independent variables. Less supply doesn't actually mean higher demand. We're concerned with the balance of these two independent variables. More supply than demand and prices will fall, and when you have more demand than supply, prices will generally increase. You are correct in pointing out that construction costs have increased. There's two reasons for that. Number one, we've experienced supply chain disruptions which have affected material prices. And number two, there is actually a shortage of labor. Paradoxically, the labor shortage exists at a time when we have millions of people unemployed. When the pandemic hit, we actually saw labor prices drop in the construction industry to more historic levels, as people in construction saw projects being put on hold. If you peel back your question, though, to the most fundamental, it seems like you're really asking whether making investment in a particular segment will be a safe investment in the next 18 months. It's a little like asking to predict the future. None of us really know. Economists try to understand the current market conditions and construct a model for how the economy functions. And if that model is accurate, it can be useful for predicting the near future as long as the major variables don't change too much. And therein lies the difficulty. We have a lot of variables that could easily be described as either headwinds or tailwinds. The direction of the economy and the local market conditions in real estate will be the sum of those headwinds and tailwinds to see what the net result will be. So let's list all the tailwinds that are helping the housing market, and then we'll look at the headwinds. We do need to consider all of them. Because of the pandemic, most people who might consider moving have put their plans on hold. They're staying put. That's taken supply of homes for sale and for rent off the market. But there are some exceptions to this, notably the highest density, highest priced locations like New York, San Francisco, and Toronto have seen an exodus. The pandemic has been a headwind in those markets. The low interest rate environment has definitely been a tailwind. But not all properties have the same interest rate sensitivity. People who have been homeowners since their early years are often mortgage-free. They own their property free and clear. And for them, there's no fear of getting priced out of the market. They own a home. They could sell it. But whatever they replace it with might be more expensive unless they plan to downsize. We've seen price increases across many markets in North America. The national average is 11%, but this isn't uniform at all. Some cities like Nashville and Austin continue to experience population growth. Our home city of Ottawa, Canada, has seen more than 20% price growth this year. That's a huge and unsustainable number. Salaries have definitely not grown by that much. But the averages often mask what's really happening in the market. We've seen a huge spike in prices at the bottom of the market and a modest increase in prices at the top of the market. There is true price compression. Smaller, lower-priced properties are often selling at a higher cost per square foot than the larger single-family homes. Houses at the low end of the market have seen dozens of offers on a single property, 
we're talking upwards of 20 to 30 offers in a single day. Houses at the top end of the market have sometimes attracted multiple offers, but usually only two or three. The market is not at hot in that segment. In fact, we're starting to see a slowdown in the market. There are still properties selling with multiple offers, but only four to five offers instead of 30. We're starting to see a slowdown in construction in some areas as well. Along the Gulf Coast of the U.S., people are moving to get away from the high-density cities of the Northeast. The South has the added impact of having had seven hurricanes make landfall this hurricane season. The repair work associated with those storms is putting tremendous pressure on labor markets and supply chains for materials. The impact of this is being felt right across the continent. All of these factors are tailwinds for the housing market. Now let's look at the headwinds. We have millions of people unemployed. We have a political gridlock situation in Washington, and we have a minority government in Canada where the threat of government falling is increasingly likely. We have businesses failing all over the place. Number two, we've got falling oil prices, which means billions of dollars in write-downs in the energy sector. While we don't want to be polluting the environment, there's a clear correlation between economic activity and energy consumption. If economic activity slows, energy consumption will go down. It doesn't make sense that energy prices would be rising in that environment. The ultimate driver for the higher price comes from the underlying economy. Number three, we've got 8 to 9% of residential mortgages in the U.S. in some form of distress. We have millions of tenants who are behind on their rent payments. In our own province of Ontario, we have a backlog of over 80,000 eviction motions in front of the Landlord-Tenant Tribunal. These properties have not hit the market yet. They represent an invisible inventory or shadow inventory of sorts that will eventually appear on the market in distressed condition. And when it does, that means more supply and therefore a headwind for the market. Number four, travel is restricted due to the pandemic and therefore immigration is well below historic levels. That too is a headwind. Number five, people are dying in large numbers as a result of COVID-19. The U.S. has seen nearly a quarter million deaths. And when people die, that brings more inventory into the market, increasing supply. It's another headwind, albeit a small one compared with the others. Number six, the U.S. federal election is likely to bring an environment that will not favor the housing market. So we're trying to make sense out of all these variables and predict how it's all going to play out. There are a lot of variables and the outcome's highly uncertain. Remember, back in 1929, the economy was booming. Everything looked rosy and optimistic, until it didn't. And what followed was more than a decade of extreme economic contraction that defined an entire generation. Let's look at the current market conditions to see if that offers any clues. If we look at our own home market in Ottawa, Canada, there's 52 homes listed above $1 million. It's a small percentage of the overall inventory in the market. The average days on market in our market is under 30 days right now. Now, if we look at a breakdown of those 52 homes, only 16 of those properties have been on the market less than 30 days. Houses at this price point are taking longer to sell than the average. In fact, 14 out of the 52 have been on the market for more than 100 days. And in a market where there have been multiple offers and prices supposedly rising more than 20%, the homes in this price bracket seem to have more than their share of risk and are taking longer to sell. While the profit potential is there for new construction, especially at the higher end of the market, the risk is also significantly higher because there are fewer buyers in that segment of the market. I want to thank you, Rich, for a great question. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day.
go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.